0: The Greensense Show is sponsored by CEA Technology, providing a sustainable modular indoor growing system. Visit CEATECHN.com to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Greensense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. Studies that have shown that living near water is associated with many positive measures of physical and mental well-being, from higher levels of vitamin D to better social relations and even increased property values helps the economics. The quality of life in a community is further enhanced if those waterways are healthy and well-maintained. My guest this week has been dedicated to improving the health of the Chicago River system for all, people, plants, and animals, making the river ecosystem a better place to live, work, shop, and play. I'm happy to welcome back Margaret Frisby, Executive Director of Friends of the Chicago River. Margaret, thanks for joining us again on Sense Show.
1: Robert, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me and, and Friends of the Chicago River.
0: Well, it's always a delight. And the Chicago River is a nonprofit uh, founded in 1979. And you have quite an allegiance out there. Uh, 35,000 members, volunteers, and online advocates. They work tirelessly to make the river healthy and more accessible to all. And you have many programs. So let's get into the details of some of the ones that you're working on right now. So Friends, along with its partners, uh, Greater Chicago Watershed Alliance created a free, I'll say that again, a free natural solutions tool for government uh, agencies and the public. It has 84 manipulative. Of data layers centered on e- equity, public health, biodiversity, resilience, water, and greenway connectivity. What can users do with this tool that they couldn't do in the past?
1: Well, that is a great question. Um, so this tool came about because the Greater Chicago Watershed Alliance is an organization that friends uh, convened in 2020 to really look across the region and how we could get a, you know work together across jurisdictions. And figure out how to solve um, environmental, environmental, and health problems um, together because you have to break down jurisdictions, right? So we we think in terms of watersheds. You know, a municipality has its own boundaries. A county has its own boundaries, and we wanted to break that down. And so as the the whole. Uh, collaboration got started, Robert, what we decided is we needed to look at what we had, right? So what's on the ground, where we need the mapping, right? And so from that process, um, we realized that we could create a tool, this natural solutions tool, that would take these five modeling objectives that you mentioned about equity, biodiversity, public health, et cetera, and through that lens, we could create something that would enable people to see the concentrations of where there's a lack of biodiversity, where we have environmental justice issues, where we have public health issues, and use that as a filter and a decision-making lens in order to uh, allow people to develop projects and prioritize where they should happen. And so it's about looking, using the tool to find places where we need more nature based green infrastructure, where there are uh, problems that need to be addressed, and also great opportunities. I mean, there is a ton of opportunity in the Chicago and Calumet River watershed. And this tool will help people figure that out and find funding for it.
0: Well, there is so much data out there, and the big issue is analysis. And it sounds like you've taken a very hard part, put that all together so that uh, people can really have a lot of information at their fingertips.
1: Yeah, and I think and the, I think the big difference between just having data is the fact that you could get down to the parcel level. So there's nearly 1.5 million parcels in the tool. So if you search the tool for, you know, my office building on Wacker Drive here, it will tell you where I am, what how the area that I'm in relates to these modeling objectives, the demographics of the area, the economics of the area and it, it just fills you in. And even more important is that that it's super easy to use. A simple introduction will let anybody use it. And I know, for one, using a GIS system, graphic information uh, system, is something that people are specialists at. And so regular people, a community member, can't use those systems to find the data. So you have all the information in one place, and plus you can use it no matter who you are.
0: Do you have any concrete examples of users that have used it and some of the great things they've done?
1: Well, you know, Robert, you share
0: share one with us if you can.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the tool is very new. We, in fact, only finished it and um, earlier this year we launched it publicly in March at our annual Chicago River Summit. And so, what we have been doing is using it to substantiate the work we're doing. So, most recently, we applied for knock on wood, um, and we were invited to submit a proposal from our pre-proposal to the National Fish and Wildlife Fund. Uh, foundation's coastal resiliency fund. And the data that we could find because we have the natural solutions tool enabled us to write a much stronger proposal because there was so much more information that we could provide based upon the project we were proposing. So that's a really good example. We also um, used it to support the work of um, a group in McKinley Park in the city of Chicago on the southwest side who is activating around riverfront uses, and they could defend the riverfront use and say, we are an environmental justice community. We need to be protected, not exploited. So it's, it's very much both an advocacy tool, a protection tool, and then also, as I said originally, a decision support tool.
0: Fantastic. Well, tell us more about the Greater Chicago Watershed Alliance. Who's part of that?
1: Sure. Well, it's we're really excited about the alliance. This is the first time that in the greater Chicago area, we have aligned with this, the two stormwater agencies, which are really important if you're talking about regional approach to stormwater management, which is essential for the health of the river, but also for neighborhood flooding, for basement backup, for dealing with the climate crisis. Um, and so the Lake County Stormwater Management Commission, with whom Friends has worked for more than 30 years collaboratively, Um, is one of the lead partners, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District, which is the sewage and stormwater agency for Cook County, our key partners as well. Uh, CMAP, our regional planning agency, we have uh, the Forest Preserves of Cook County, the City of Chicago, the Chicago Park District, the Alliance for the Great Lakes, Open Lands, the Delta Institute, and the list goes on and on. And more recently, the Illinois Department of Natural Resources joined. Um, And so it's a a cross-sector of agencies and organizations who are looking to improve life around, you know, community health, environmental health, build resiliency, and are willing to work together to to co-fund and to co-identify and fund projects where we trans, transform our region into a green place where we're supporting public health and environmental health.
0: Well, it takes a lot of uh, organizations to, to do a, a job like that because there's a lot of heavy lifting. And one of those uh, areas is water quality. And even though the data, sh- uh, you've recently done some work and the data shows that the health of the river has improved, the water quality has gotten better in the Chicago Calumet River system. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, you know, the river system is drastically healthier. I don't know if you can use drastic and healthy. That doesn't sound right. It's really it is dramatically healthier than it used to be. And not everybody is really aware of how clean the water is. So there has been literally billions of dollars invested in clean water infrastructure. There has been advocacy on the part of Friends of the Chicago River, our partners at the Sierra Club and Environmental Law and Policy Center, where we have been working to make this river cleaner and better and more accessible for people and healthier for wildlife. And on an average day, meaning like no rain, just a plain old sunny old day, um, like, you know, in the summer, in the spring, there, um, the water quality is actually safe enough for swimming. We're meeting the US EPA standards for primary contact, which means you are in the water. Um, and that is something I think that people are surprised by. And it's really, it's a cultural problem tied to the legacy of pollution in the Chicago River. People are aware that it was reversed. They were aware that it was designed into our sewer system in the 1850s and 1860s. And so that kind of, you know, people have a hard time letting go of that concept that we're connected to the sewer system, when in fact, the river is really pretty clean and healthy.
0: Well, kudos to you and all your organizations that you're involved with, uh, because that that's quite an improvement. But even though the data shows uh, improvement, there's more work to do. Uh, And so tell us about the next phase and what you're focused on to constantly improve water quality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So water quality itself um, is one piece of the puzzle. Obviously, you need terrific public access. You also need equitable public access. So the north side of Chicago, for example, has a lot more places where people can go um, and access the river than the south and the southwest side. So those are things we're working on um and, and there's litter that we we have a big program around litter that I think you know we could touch on but I think when you look at the future, I'll go back to that stormwater conversation, right? So US EPA says in the United States of America, the number one contributor to water pollution is to surface water pollution is in fact stormwater runoff. So when we talk about that water, Greater Chicago Watershed Alliance, we're talking about stormwater and managing it and treasuring that water. And by treasuring, it means it filters into the ground as opposed to ending up in pipes and sewers and ending up in our waterway. And so... That's really a major focus and it's both it's thinking about stormwater and what's in stormwater. So reducing pesticide use, reducing, you know, BMP for road salt, thinking about what you put on your plants. Fertilizer is a terrible pollutant for waterway. Those nutrients actually completely deplete oxygen. So there's a whole lot of stuff tied to stormwater that might not seem directly connected, but in fact is. So that is a big push. And then on top of it, of course, we have the climate crisis. So that different kind of rain pattern. We used to have really steady, even rain that was across the areas. Now we have these heavy, hard <laughs> rainstorms, right? And so that actually increases the chance of combined sewer overflows and also drives problems with runoff pollution and the flooding and basement backups that I mentioned earlier. So that's really part of this bigger picture of a greener landscape helps to mitigate all of those things and pr- improve the health of the water and the, the, and the river itself.
0: Climate change has really created complexities for municipalities because, as you've mentioned, uh, you know, episodic uh, rain events are much harder to handle than than even ones, and we're seeing that from stormwater surges to uh, you know higher water levels along the coastlines. Um, well, being a good steward in the environment, it's not all hard work. Uh, tell us about the fun we're going to have when we join the summer float party. When is it? How do you get involved? And what will you do?
1: Yeah, so the Summer Flow Party is really an evolution of our work to get people out on the water. You know, in the early 1990s, we started taking people canoeing so that they could see the river and and advocate for public access with us. And now we know, as I said, the river is really, you know, we're cautious about people getting in the river. So I'm not just saying go jump in the river because there's boat traffic and there's places where the sediments are not, you know, are bad. But in general, that water is someplace we belong. And so the summer float party is this marvelous and really colorful event where people in floaty toys float from River Park, which in the city of Chicago, um, for those familiar, would be... um, Foster and Kedzie, so on the north side of Chicago, floating a little over a mile down to Horner Park. Park, And um, it's, they're both beautiful parks. They've been restored with natural banks and really lovely places. It's flowing, you know, go, you, know, you float through these beautiful riverfront communities where there's docks and you see turtles and muskrats and, you know, wading birds. And it's just a magical thing. And the reason we've decided to do it is we really wanna change the image of the Chicago River and celebrate all of the ways the river has improved. And by getting people out in these floats, you know, it's it's a great media stunt, but it's also a firsthand experience to go, hey, this recreational resource belongs to me and I want to be a part of it. So it's July 23rd. Um, people go to our website, chicago.chicagoriver.org, and you know, can just sign up and um, invite your friends, invite your family. We did it last year and it's just so much fun. Um, really can't tell you what a great event it is.
0: Well, we didn't uh, speak about this, but since you mentioned turtles, there was a large turtle spotted in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about that. Almost a prehistoric uh, turtle.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. So um, yeah, that was, you know, it was one of those moments that really gave us a chance to talk about how alive the Chicago river system really is. Right. People make assumptions that, you know, they're not familiar with the wilder areas, the forest preserves, the parks, and even really in the urban core, there's so much wildlife. So Uh, In early May, there was a a scientist spotted, uh, you know, quite good size, you know, like, I don't know, two and a half foot long, giant snapping turtle, probably a female, full of eggs, which made her bigger um, in the river system, and it made international news. Um, because this just they look prehistoric. They are prehistoric. She herself was probably 30 or 40 years old, but her species dates back a long time. And so I was really excited for Friends of the Chicago River because we've got to be part of a conversation of saying there's beavers, there's muskrats, there's nearly 80 species of fish, there's wading birds, there's endangered herons. We're finding American eels, which require really good water quality. So it's a storytelling about the life in the river, the health of the river, and really this American, you know, charismatic mega monster, giant snapping turtle who was just sunning herself on a log, probably about to go lay some egg somewhere. So anyway, it's a, it was a great story and a lot of fun.
0: Well, thanks for that uh, tidbit of information. You know, one of the things we can all do to make the environment better is picking up litter and uh, putting garbage where it should be. So tell us about your litter-free supply station program and how it improves the river system.
1: Absolutely. So Friends of the Chicago River really committed ourselves to ridding the litter, the river. Sorry. For rid, I can't say it. But anyway, well, you have
0: to say it three times. Fast. I <laughs> got
1: to start a new way. Anyway, we're, our goal is to really rid the, the river of litter. And the reason is is that, you know, people are so familiar, you know, the idea of ocean plastics and we need to cut down on single use plastics and bring your own shopping bag and all of those things. But we tend to think about it globally. And but we need to act locally and so, in the Chicago Calumet River System, we find that there is food waste. there's plastic. there's, you know, plastic rings around ducks. We've just come across so much terrible stuff. 93% of fish in our local rivers and streams have plastic inside them one way or another, whether it's mm-hmm. large scale or microplastic. That's research done by Dr. Tim Holine at Loyola University, Chicago. And so we know that it looks bad. It's dangerous for wildlife. It's dangerous for people. The science shows even microplastics are poisoning people. There's benzene and you know other chemicals that are known to be carcinogenic. So we are trying to really clean up the river, both from a policy point of view. So working on permits that protect the river and how you can officially keep litter out of the river, but also as individuals, we can roll up our sleeves and we can all help. So our litter-free program involves canoeing cleans. You could go out with friends in the summer, and we bring, you know, get in canoes, we have bags and grabbers and pick up stuff. Um, and we have a litter, t- a litter-free toolkit, so you can organize your own cleanup. But one of the things that we started this year that's really uh, to inc- and multiply the effect we can have is this litter-free uh, supply station. And so we have um, nine locations where you can actually borrow grabbers, get bags, get gloves and get buckets. And you can go out and do your own litter pickup on your own. And all you do is email us and we tell you where they are. So it's the 47th Ward. It's the 35th Ward. Um, we have them in the Ford Cal- Calumet Center on the southeast side of the city, our Bridge House Museum, some at the Northport Public Library. I mean, literally, it's a regional approach. And we're continuing to find new partners and new places where we can have these supply stations. And more and more people can really come out and help solve this litter problem. And of course, I can't help but say, when I talk about this, I also have to tell your listeners that they really need to think twice about the things that they're doing. I know it's hard to cut down on plastics in the grocery store and other places, but if we really get people to concentrate on those single-use plastics, that really is one of the biggest problems. And the other thing we find the most of in the river besides single-use plastics is restaurant waste. And so just thinking twice about to-go food, what you get, how you treat it, where you put it, um, you know, if you think about reduce, reuse, recycle, start with reduce, really, really, really big, be, because recycling isn't doing what we think it is. But anyway, so litter-free, good for fish, good for people, good for communities.
0: Yeah, and it's an easy thing we could all do. So I like Absolutely, that. Yeah. Well. Chicago's finally getting a casino, and I would have lost a bet because I would have thought it was going to go at old Migs Field location. But uh, Ballet Chicago has a $1.7 billion destination casino and hotel development, and it's located on the former 30-acre Chicago Tribune Publishing uh, Center. And that's at the intersection of Chicago and Halstead along the river. It's been approved by the city for construction. Uh, is your organization working with Bally's to implement any programs to improve the quality of the development and minimize the impact along that riverfront?
1: No, yeah, Robert, we are really doing our best. We did meet with the designers and leadership at Valleys early on and provided a lot of feedback and input about the fact that the river is a blue-green corridor. It is a natural resource, not a water feature. It's full of fish and other wildlife, like we've discussed, and it really belongs to the public. And so what we've been pushing for is wonderful public open space, big natural areas um, and really to, to think about how it's not just for the guests for the casino, it's really for everybody and how do you do that. So we we got to meet with them, we, um, th- and we provided comments after they released their first designs, and we're continuing to advocate through the Chicago Department of Public uh, Development and um, Planning and um, you know, through the alderman's office, to really ensure that we get the greenest possible casino in the world, and even the bluest one, right? Like we want it to be river friendly and people friendly. And so, you know, we're not sure exactly uh, how things will turn out, but we're really pushing for them to, you know, come what's up with state-of-the-art designs that really make, you know, put Chicago on the map the way that we did years ago for green roofs, and that we can do with the casino by really celebrating the river and what's possible there.
0: Well, you have two formidable opponents there, the casino and the city, but if anybody could uh, bring a good environmental compromise together, it's you, Margaret, so I wish you the best of luck on that. Uh, In closing, I'd like you to do one thing for me to say uh, three times fast, rid the river of litter
1: rid the river of litter rid the river of litter rid the river of litter i'm gonna start a parade yeah absolutely no that's and i you know that is a really important thing to do so thanks for M- margaret
0: back. it's always a delight to talk to you thank you for joining us uh and uh look forward to catching up with you in the next uh, several months
1: absolutely it's our pleasure and thank you very much for having me today
0: that's Margaret Frisby, Executive Director of Friends of the Chicago River, providing an update on their programs and efforts to improve the quality of the Chicago River system for all people, plants, and animals. Visit the GreenSenseShow.com website to learn more about the sponsorship. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Greensense, and check out the Greensense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 FM, WBBM Chicago. Sense Show is sponsored by CEA Technology, providing a sustainable modular indoor growing system. Visit ceatechn.com to learn more.